Can you imagine the level of a mind that watches wrestling? The audience wants to see action, adventure, wrestling, and plenty of it. Big men in tights, you know the drill. Rammer Slammer. Welcome to Rammer Slammer. I'm Ben Flanagan, and this is our 21st episode of the wrestling podcast here in the Deep South. And today we're going to go back and look at this whole brand split thing. We've had the first week of the new Monday Night Raw and the new SmackDown Live, and, and we got our first look at the new look, the new era in WWE. And I'm going to talk to the professor, Will Nevin, about it. We're going to give our takes on how the first week went down and, and where it might go from here. And I just want to say a quick word on programming and and format here. I think we're going to try something a little different from not now on, but starting next week. We're going to probably, you know, talk about sort of the state of the business or whatever interests us in terms of what's happening in, in pro wrestling and pretty much usually the WWE. But I think to close out each show from now on, we're going to have a top five list of some sort, whether it's, you know, top five wrestlers, top five pay-per-views, whatever. We've done top five theme music already. I want to go back to that. It's fun to do. And we're not going to take too much time on the show week to week with the segment. And and obviously we're inspired by some friends at another podcast, Film Spotting, who obviously have mastered the top five format. So kudos to those guys for influencing what we do here at Rammer Slammer. So look out for the top five starting next week. I'm not sure what the topic's going to be, but it should be a lot of fun. So that's what our plan is from now on at Rammer Slammer, and we always appreciate you listening and, and hope you continue to and hope that this is a fun thing for you to listen along with. And, and we hope to hear your top fives each week, too. So tweet us at Rammer Slammer on Twitter. And without further ado, it's time to talk brand split with the professor, Will Nevin. This has been Flanagan with Rammer Slammer, and for the second week in a row, joined by my buddy, my pal, the professor, Dr. Will Nevin. Doctor, how are you? I'm great. I'm so honored to be uh, two weeks in a row. We are honored, sir. So this week, the much ballyhooed brand split with World Wrestling Entertainment finally came and went, and most people seem to have really dug it, especially the first night. The the Obviously, Raw and SmackDown Live, look, so much happened on Raw, and some stuff happened on SmackDown, and I hope people follow along on our Twitter account because you, sir, are, are doing an excellent job live-tweeting the, the happenings, but there are lots of new little changes and additions, camera angles, ringside interviews, the rope colors, the announcer table relocation, logos, intros. I mean, they've really kind of done a, a little mini facelift for, for each of the shows. So just real quick... Just your general reaction to how the first two nights went, the first week of the brand split. Is it in the plus or negative column? Well, I think when it comes down to it, you have pretty much the very best raw that you could expect in this new era. Or, or even you can broaden it out to, to the three-hour era generally. Uh, I thought Raw was absolutely incredible. And then SmackDown, I think, has a bit of a ways to go. And certainly their world title program going into SummerSlam 
is not nearly as strong or as compelling as Raw's. But I'm sure we'll get to that. Generally speaking, um, I loved the new uh, sports-like presentation or turns toward a more sports-like presentation on Raw. Um, The new announcer setup where you know we cut to them and they're standing at their desk they look professional they're not squabbling uh amongst each other and raw is definitely better with the subtraction of jbl his act is done it's tired he has no uh core um morals as a character it's just it's exhausting listening to him so I'm glad uh, I only have to hear him for two hours instead of three hours. Um, I thought Raw was the superior show this week, again, because of that more sports-like feel. Uh, from the announcers to the pre- and post-match interviews, uh, they even brought back some of the classic uh, squash matches on Raw, and I, I hope we have that going forward. I hope for the next Five months on television, we have a Braun Strowman squash match. That was so enjoyable. I loved every minute of that from the uh, the pre-match interview with that, that hapless, uh, <laughs> adorable jobber. Uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I thought this was a chance of a lifetime. I, I didn't know it was going to be a good Braun Strowman. Oh. And you could just sit this dread and his fear. And it was the most they have done to make Braun Strowman worth watching since he debuted. Like, I am looking forward to his next match, and I have never said that before about Braun Strowman. Um, But that just adds to, again, the entire presentation. And Raw did so many of those little things that were just great. And then you had uh, the Sasha Banks title win, which was great. Um, And then, again, we'll talk to... To their world picture, uh, their world, the uh, well, the new universal title picture, which is probably the only uh, negative I would give for all this week. That that title just sounds clunky, but you know, whatever. Uh, as I said on the Twitter account, I think they're making the best of a bad situation. Um, SmackDown, it's you're hurt by uh, the roster. You know, I don't think they did a great job of splitting up. Um, you know, the the wrestlers that are over. Um, and then I think you're hurt by just a fatigue. You know, we had gone through, you know, almost four hours Sunday, three hours Monday, and then two more hours on Tuesday. It's probably going to be a bit of a letdown, but then you get to the actual show. We start off with a blah, blah, battle royal. Um, you know, you have a, a women's uh, division segment that seemed like the worst excesses of Raw, where you just have, you know, people marching out, um, you know, introducing themselves or coming out for no particular reason or or, or whatever. It, you know, obviously it was designed to introduce this, this women's roster, but it was just ham-fisted, um, for lack of a better way to describe it. Uh, and then the you know the six pack challenge main event. Whenever you have uh, a multi man event, you know Raw did it with four. 
you know, WWE is fixated on this idea that, okay, we can't show more than two people fighting. Uh, the audience has a limited attention span. Uh, you know, we can't present more than two wrestlers at once. So uh, we have two wrestlers going, you know, for most of the match, while two other wrestlers are just at ringside, grievously injured. Um, and then that trick only works for so long, and it just gets more and more exposed when you add more people. So you get to the six-person match on SmackDown, and you basically have four people just hanging out, uh, you know, at ringside during the match. It just stretches all believability. They don't have to present those matches that way. At least I don't think so. Um, but they do it, and you know, whatever. Uh, so I think that match suffered. And like I've been hinting at, the world title pictures coming out of these shows are just are just not comparable. On Raw, you have Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins, which, like I said on Twitter, is going to be a 17-star match. I, that That is going to be something to sit down and watch and enjoy from start to finish. And on SmackDown, you got Dean Ambrose, who they have built up, who they have sacrificed equity to build up you know wins over seth rollins and roman reigns and they have they have done serious work getting his character to this point they match him up his first smackdown you know title defense against dolph ziggler a guy whose ship has sailed who should be at this point clearly uh at the intercontinental secondary title level but I can understand their thinking. They have a roster of guys that they need to build up, and they go with Ziggler. But as I said, I think the whole show is going to suffer because of that decision. Um, so yeah, my general takeaway: I give Raw like a nine point nine eight seven, just a great show, and then SmackDown more of a blah show. But SmackDown can only go up i think and raw unless they keep producing you know a phenomenal product every week i think can only go down from here but it's only a matter of figuring out okay where's the where's the natural uh kind of midline for this um the split brand raw so, yeah, I, I want to go back to the beginning of Raw, the very top of the show, where the whole roster comes out during the first segment, and Mick Foley and Stephanie McMahon are in the ring. They're addressing the crowd, and they're addressing the roster. So Steph really chides Roman for ruining Raw's chances to bring the belt to the show, as if he interfered with Seth Rollins' you know, chances of, of beating Ambrose and bringing the title back to the Raw brand. She says, this show and its fans demand a championship belt. And meanwhile, I just thought about this as she was saying that. Meanwhile, poor Charlotte is out there just wearing her belt like, yeah, so I guess I'm not really champion. I guess I guess by, by championship <laughs> belt, they mean men's championship belt. You know? Wah, so, wah. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think Charlotte's great. And, you know, there was obviously more to come later in that show. But so the issue here for me is is the importance that they clearly placed 
on which guy won the belt at Battleground and how important it was to each brand to have that belt. And now that doesn't matter because they create this universal title. So now you have, like, so now basically Shane taking over Raw after losing the WrestleMania bet is in the rearview mirror, and now we have a, a it doesn't make sense, but screw it, champion, a new champion now that now that the Shane thing is, is in the past. So I just think, again, narratively, they just made something up after they had placed so much importance on something and emphasized the, the arc of the, obviously, the triple threat match and how important it was that Ambrose, at the end of that pay-per-view, he, he's holding the belt up and the SmackDown crew comes out there, lifts him up, and, and he's the big hero because now SmackDown... Uh, the, the Usos lift him up. <laughs> yeah, which... You know, the, detail. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And so it's like, okay, well, that moment matters not now because you have the universal title and you have the better match that will result in, in a guy holding that belt up. So does that automatically make that belt better? I mean, did you did you have any sort of like fundamental issue with with the creation of the universal title? Well, I think Vince is obsessed with having a world title on each show. Ideally they should have thought, you know, seven steps ahead, go back, what is it, 18 months now, uh, maybe, what, two years almost, and not unify the titles at that off-brand, you know, TLC pay-per-view, but whatever. Um, so if you're going to have two world titles, I kind of preferred this route instead of some convoluted split title situation that I just – I just felt in my bones was coming, uh, you know, going back to last week's raw and that, you know, that draw. And then I thought for sure that they were going to split the title in some weird way at SmackDown. And I thought for sure they were going to split the title uh, in some weird way at backlash. So, you know, Ambrose gets those clean wins, gets those, you know, those decisive victories. And I, you know, again, I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think the name of the belt is a little clunky. I mean, universal title. Uh, I think we could have gone with global title. Um, you know, we, we talked about how they changed the language there for a little while and started calling Ambrose's belt the WWE title instead of the world, instead of the WWE world heavyweight title. So I think they just decided maybe to split the belt or they are, excuse me, to create a new belt or they just decided to call it that. Um, yeah, I mean, I certainly share your sentiments, but I think this is the most um, preferable outcome. Maybe if you had a guy that was super popular, if you had a guy uh, like The Rock, maybe you just say, okay, we're going to put the belt on the rock and this is the rock of like, you know, 15 years ago or whatever, but, uh, or geez, 20 years ago, uh, we're going to put the belt on him. He's going to float between two shows. You know, he's going to be the undisputed WWE champion and, you know, we'll run, you know, multiple title programs across the shows. You know, he'll, he'll defend against all comers on the pay-per-views, but I think here, 
Yeah, I'm not I'm not too hung up on this idea to create a title, but I I agree with you from a narrative standpoint. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And to go back to your larger point, it doesn't make a lot of sense with this you know this convoluted brand loyalty you know malarkey uh, to borrow uh, a popular word. Uh, you know you you just split the brands. We don't have any loyalty. So let's let's ease up on that for a while. And besides, we you know, we care about watching wrestlers. We don't care about brands. We don't care about uh, Stephanie or Shane or ratings. We just want to see uh, you know compelling stories built around athletic and exciting matches. So that's we just want everything. That's not too much to ask for, right? Yeah, you know, I just wish that there was like a graphic that showed the Twitter metrics during throughout the show and and that would make the whole the whole brand thing really hit home even more but not really. So, but look, I agree with you about the squash match thing. That that was probably my favorite new addition was bringing oh. that and the jobbers back and especially obviously for the more physically imposing wrestlers like Braun Strowman and Nia Jax and I thought they were both great. You know, everything was great about the the Braun Strowman squash match except for Braun's new hairdo. Look, I, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what's going on there, to be quite honest with you. But as many people have said so far, it's really the first time he, he has been, I don't know, interesting is not the right word because he's always been interesting and you've always seen potential. But he this is the first time he's really stood out, you know, especially since the split from the Wyatts. But, yeah, so I, I, I see good things for him coming soon. But quickly with the Universal thing, is the Finn Balor push coming a little too soon? You know, I've heard a lot of people say, some are speculating that he's just going to go ahead and win the belt at SummerSlam from from Seth Rollins, this super established guy whose whose future is is as bright as Finn Balor, especially considering Finn Balor's like what, like thirty thirty six years old or something. Like, I mean, he's he's not exactly a you know young and squirrely amateur out there. So, yeah, my, I guess my big question is. You know, obviously people love Finn Balor, and he's he's a champion of NXT, and is people, you know, he, he he's here for a reason, and he had a great night, and and like you said, it's one of the best Raw episodes in in recent memory. But does this just instant push to the top into the main event, one of the the biggest WWE annual pay per views? Is this all happening a little too fast, or do you think that this is the shot in the arm they needed? Well, I think they have to be in star-making mode right now. They have to be in creating new, legitimate, you know, challengers. And that's that's part of the reason why you know, Dolph, Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler and not someone like Styles or Cena or, um, I don't know, anyone else on the SmackDown roster – uh, why they're not getting that first title shot? They have to establish new main eventers um, because you got you know two rosters now. So I think that's part of it. I think, as you mentioned, his age. Uh, you know, he's about to go into full-time WWE you know touring mode. That's you know 250 days on the road kind of mode. I don't know if he's done that kind of work schedule before. So. Yeah, you don't know how he's going to hold up. You don't know how long people are going to be interested in him. You haven't um, you haven't defined him down yet. 
as as a guy like the in the way that you have defined Kevin Owens down. Um, so I, I think now's your time to strike. Now's your opportunity to go all in with Finn Balor. Uh, if you're not going to give him, you know, the belt at SummerSlam, I, I don't think that's an absolute necessity. But he he and Rollins can carry that show for you know months. You know, they can carry it to Survivor Series and. I think if you ease Roman Reigns down the card just a little bit, or if you turn him, you know, villain, if you turn him heel, you put him in that naturally positioned role. And there was a second when I was, when I was, as I've been ready to believe, I was ready to believe that that turn was coming after that match. He looked so tired and so disgusted and so beaten, like, physically and, you know, emotionally. I thought he was going to run back in that ring uh, and, you know, you know, spear, you know, Balor or do something. And it clearly would have made for the best Raw in the history of Raws <laughs> if that had happened. If we had finally gotten that Roman Reigns turn, you know, I was, you know, ready to, like, pledge allegiance, you know, to whatever is left of Vince's life. It's like, I believe in you totally, completely. <laughs> Hail Vince. And uh, look, you know, again, to Roman Reigns' credit, he, in his last three matches, including Battleground and, and the four-way and then the match with Balor, all, he was great in all three of those matches. And he, he, he is a good in-ring performer. Like, I'm 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 just there now to, to where I think you can depend on him to put on a a – Super, like just uh, just a really good headliner match, and and I would be personally just a little bit disappointed if he fell down the card too far because I think that he belongs in 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 those big matches from from now on, or at least for the for the time being. So, yeah, you know, I see what you're saying there, and 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 I totally agree. And, and that brings me to another point where it's like, look, if, if Balor's one of your best guys shoot him to the top, you know, and that's obviously what they've done here. And, and look with his and AJ Styles shots to the top right after their call-ups. To me, it makes no sense now that Kevin Owens is still on the mid-card outside of keeping the whole Kevin owens Sami Zayn feud going. Yeah, again, I think you, you need to put your best guys at the top no matter what. And to me, Owens is a top three guy along with Rollins and AJ. And if you want to toss Finn Balor into that mix, that's fine. But right now I see more value in Kevin Owens than I do Finn Balor. What do you think? I certainly think that Owens uh, has has more diversity to his, you know, his act potentially. Um, you know, like we said on the draft show, um, I think Kevin Owens could be your biggest – breakout babyface star since Stone Cold. Like he's got you know a blue collar feel to him that if you just tell his story, you know, naturally, um, if you take away kind of the jaded bitterness that you know, that that his act kinda of has now and you just present him as, you know, I'm I'm this hard working guy. I you know, I've been working hard for all these years. I just love beating people up. Uh, and, you know, winning championships, and I'm ready to beat anybody, and I'm ready to stick up for my friends. And, you know, 
and he's so entertaining and uh you know thoughtful in the little things that he does you you know you turn him let him go people already want to cheer him you know he has to do things to actively not get cheered um you know you you flip that switch and i think he could go on a run that people would talk about um Balor inside the ring you know he's certainly athletic and dynamic but you know i think there are a few holes on you know kind of the the talking side of things i think um maybe he's a little bit more limited in his range i certainly don't know if he could be an effective um you know villain um perhaps certainly uh and then he al- he also has uh to his credit he's got the uh the demon uh entrance gimmick going for him which is always fun to watch but the specialness of that will wear off after time uh, i don't know if they break that out at SummerSlam or they wait to uh you know maybe WrestleMania or something but um you know if if we had to do the draft over again i would probably still pick Owens over Balor because like i said i think there's more uh, flexibility there. I would too. And, and Balor, just on a side note, that guy milks an entrance like the Rock and the Undertaker do. I mean, even <laughs> when he's not doing the demon thing, when he just came out in his leather jacket or whatever, he milked it, man. And and he he obviously likes the entrance thing. So yeah, I, I can. I, I think we're probably going to get the demon thing at, at SummerSlam. I mean, everybody knows about it, and everybody's expecting it. So why not just go ahead and bring it out? So. We get all of these random surprise NXT call-ups like Bailey at Battleground and Rhino at, at SmackDown after the draft called up a handful. Yet there remain Nakamura and Samoa Joe and Asuka who are in, in Samoa Joe and Nakamura. They're feuding now in, in in NXT, which I must say is pretty exciting heading into next week's Birmingham house show next Friday as we're, as we're talking, but... What like what is NXT right now? Like I mean, I, I know it's still I, they don't call it necessarily the developmental territory. It's kind of its own thing. But I just see all of these call ups, and and I just don't understand why two just proven commodities like Nakamura and Samoa Joe are just sitting there. What what's the holdup? Well, I think part of it is that it has grown beyond a simple developmental system. Uh, and they want to do more things with it. And right now, NXT kind of has, like, layers. Like, you know, we are going to get a, uh, you know, kind of the the best of NXT when it comes to town next week. Um, and Joe is still not advertised for that show. Is that correct? As far as I know, yeah. I mean, I mean they're, they're running a little thin on roster right now, so <laughs> I hope Joe's there just as a fan of his. Uh, but, you know, he very well could be doing uh, their Florida touring circuit, you know, which they, they also do. So I think it's this weird thing that, you know, Triple H has where he wants to show that we can run a name brand competitive, um, you know, for lack of a better word, brand that that puts on – compelling interesting programming uh, on par for the you know the wrestling nerds on par with smackdown and raw 
and you can't continue to do those shows. You can't do top-notch NXT shows without NXT top-notch talent. And if you deplete your developmental roster, which they should. I mean, if this was logically, you know, if this logically worked the way it should, yeah, Joe, Nakamura, Bailey, everybody else from that roster would be on television now because that's what they need. Um, and yet there's this desire, okay, we want to still have the NXT Weekly Show. We want to still have it be interesting and compelling. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to leave Joe down there. Might leave Joe down there forever. Don't know. Um, we'll leave Nakamura down there because reasons, I guess. Um and they want Bailey to continue to anchor that women's division. I don't particularly agree with it. It doesn't make too much sense to me. Uh you know, if you had um a guy like you know, Clayton Kershaw pitching on your triple A ball club, you wouldn't say, eh, I want the triple A team. I think they need to sell some more tickets. You know, I want the fans and uh, in New Orleans to enjoy their baseball team. Let's leave him down there, uh, you know, until already next season uh, to bring him up. Yeah, I think next season will be a good time. No, no, you want you want the big league team to have big league players, but their philosophy is a little bit different. And um, I, I, it's Triple H's baby. That's about all I can say as to the why. Yeah, and another big question mark for a lot of people too is like, what, what's Triple H's deal? What's his role in this brand split? And it makes me wonder if Mick Foley is kind of a placeholder for for Triple H's until Triple H's return and he can team up with Stephanie and run Raw. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But a quick word on SmackDown. Look, I'm I'm good with Dolph Ziggler in the title match just because I know that he'll put on a great show as usual. He's a great worker and. And I don't necessarily think the ship has sailed. I think he's still got a lot left in the tank. But the way he got there made zero sense. And, and first of all, he was just, quote-unquote, headlining the pay-per-view pre-shows. Like, he was stuck on the pre-shows. He was doing, and before that, he was in, in ridiculous love triangles with, with Lana and Rusev. And, I mean, the guy just hasn't had a, a whole lot to do despite his ring acumen. And, and and then I just thought the way he got you know won the match, like it was just like really strange storytelling in the ring after after AJ Styles gets an attitude adjustment from Cena, that doesn't work. He kicks out of that, so no no sells Cena's finisher, hits Cena with a, a, a phenomenal forearm, and then Ziggler super kicks him out of nowhere, and then one two three what the move that's not even Ziggler's finisher beats AJ Styles after Cena's finisher doesn't. I, I just thought that was really strange. I thought that Bray Wyatt would definitely win the match. And so now I'm like, well, what is Bray Wyatt doing now? I mean, like, he he's clearly somebody that Vince still sees a lot of potential in and, and somebody that fans, I think, really want to love and that smart fans really want to love. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a little confused about how the whole six-pack thing played out in, in, in sort of wondering why Dolph Ziggler and maybe will, will I don't know, grow a little wiser to, to why they picked him these next couple of weeks. They build up that storyline as we're, you know, still a ways away from SummerSlam. But, 
did did that seem like the natural fit to you? I mean, out of the six participants in that match, who did you expect? And, and if not Ziggler, who would you have picked as Ambrose's opponent? Well, you still there's still a feeling that uh, Cena and Styles have more to do, which you know, give them time on SmackDown, let them flesh that out. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, Corbin and Cruz. I mean, certainly the time is not right for either one of those. So you're basically down to Ziggler or Wyatt, or, um, you know, you should have had uh, Del Rio there, um, you know, at the end. You know, why was Del Rio uh, not in the match? And, you know, guys like Corbin, uh, who was, you know, handpicked and selected for the six-pack match where Cruz had to qualify, you know. I think, though, there's this sense that uh, you, know, you read the dirt sheets that uh, Del Rio is on his way out, which is a shame. Um, he was very minimalized on this show when he could be an asset. Um, so we'll see where that goes in coming weeks. But I wouldn't be surprised, uh, again, reading the dirt sheets uh, and what they've done with him and to him, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, leaves when his contract is up. But, yeah, um, you are higher on Ziggler than I am. I feel like if you were going to go with Ziggler, the moment when he was the hottest was right after uh, Survivor Series, you know, when uh, when he banished the authority for all time. Uh, <laughs> and that that was the night, uh, the Raw after that. That was the when to put him back in the title scene, you know. Um, but certainly, I think if they give his character a new um, coat of paint, a new approach, uh, some kind of rework to to put some edge back on him. He uh, another thing that makes me a little bit uh, leery of this this feud with Ambrose is we don't have a natural uh, antagonist here. If they turn Ziggler into that, I think it's going to work. Otherwise. Uh, like you said, he he's a great worker. I think uh, he can certainly bump and sell like crazy. I I think maybe he does a little too much at times. Um, so matched up with Ambrose, who tends to look a little fakey in the ring. I uh, I, I don't know about that match. Um, certainly, I, I, again, looking at how SummerSlam is coming together. That's going to be the third match on the card. Uh, you know, you're going to have uh, um, Brock, Orton, Balor, Rollins. You know, I think no doubt those those are the two headliners, and I think this sets a bad look for SmackDown coming out of the gate. Uh, again, that we have to reemphasize time and time again. SmackDown is the B show. SmackDown gets two picks for every three picks of Raw. Uh, you know, Raw gets cruiserweights. Raw gets the women's champion. Uh, okay, SmackDown, you'll you'll get the the WWE World Title, but we're going to create on Raw the WWE Universal Title. Um, it's some weird, I think, obsession they have about reinforcing SmackDown status as the B show. But I don't know. They've been doing it for almost twenty years now, and they can't seem to get over it. So. I guess yeah. that's, that's just what it is. 
I'm anxious to see what the new belt looks like, the universal belt. And the yeah, the universal tie it's just it's a lame name. I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna name it after what they say, Nate, we're gonna name it after the WWE universe. Make him the champion of the universe or something. You know, like, <laughs> put a little something on it. I mean, it sounds so corporate, it sounds so brand centric, you know, and this is this is not what they should be doing. All right, well before we go, I wanna make uh, one quick note. Heath Slater is kind of awesome. Like I loved that promo he cut during SmackDown. That was raw worthy promo to me and and if you know, before obviously before they buried him with that really strange Rhino thing where Rhino came in and, and apparently has the same finishing move as, as Roman Reigns, but that's neither here nor there. And oh yeah, and by the way, during that same segment, Shane called Rhino the hottest free agent in sports <laughs> entertainment. So <laughs> Yeah, but which you, uh, which is a slight to Shelton Benjamin, who I am excited <laughs> to see return. Yeah, everybody seems to be, and that and that's great. But are you with me? Is 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 Heath Slater funny or not? I was cracking up, man. Hey, I love the undrafted free agent gimmick. I love the uh, Mister Irrelevant gimmick that Curtis Axel's working. Uh, Bo Dallas, I think, is is relegated to. Um, uh, superstars or whatever. Uh, the poor social outcasts are no more. But, um, yeah, I mean, on any show, you're going to have to have, you know, someone on the lower mid card. And I think Axel and, uh, you know, back to your point, Slater, I, you know, I think they, they are positioned exactly where they need to be. I think those are fun gimmicks to watch. Uh, and I think, I think Slater, again, it all depends on, can you find this sweet spot between continuing it but then not, you know, stretching it out too far where people just get annoyed with it uh, and people just want to, you know, change the channel? Uh, or, as Axel would implore them not to, don't change the channel. Yeah, maybe so. And, yeah, maybe those are good roles for those guys. And, and one more thing before we go here, Will, just because we haven't given it the time it deserves, the the women's match on Monday night, the championship match between Sasha and, and Charlotte. Obviously, Sasha wins the belt, strips it from Charlotte. It was a really good match. It, it, it was arguably the best match of the night, really highlighted by one of the sickest moonsaults from top turnbuckle to the floor that I've seen in a while. I guess since WrestleMania, she did that same spot. But, man, they put on a great show. I, again, I kind of go back to the same point with Ballard that maybe it's a little too soon to do this, and, and maybe the character and just the story itself just hasn't quite earned that, but they had to make a splash. They had to do it one way or the other, and, and honestly, I think it's you're, you're better served maybe saving stuff like that or maybe just doing one and then moving on from there, in, in, instead, maybe you want to build up and, and pay that moment off on a pay-per-view. But it's always fun to see a title change hands on Raw or SmackDown, for that matter. Were you pretty pleased that Sasha Banks is now the women's champion? Absolutely. And, again, with Raw's new approach, having that post-match interview was you know, the exclamation point on it that just totally – sold everything, sold how much that victory meant. And I don't want to have I don't want a pre-match or post-match interview for everybody. I think that kind of dilutes it. 
but for the important matches, you should absolutely have them because, again, we need to have a sense that these things matter. We need to have a sense that these matches are important instead of just parading guys out on television, getting them in, getting them out, getting to the next match, and, you know, watching Raw, you know, for the last couple of months, it has felt so often that they're just filling time. You didn't get that sense on Monday, and that's what felt so refreshing about the show. Um, but yeah, the match was certainly great. I sh- I agree with you. The timing was a little weird. I don't know why you don't have Sasha continue to chase for a little bit longer and get that big win, that big emotional moment at SummerSlam. But I think as uh, as good old Jr. made this point on Twitter, uh, I don't know if it was in reference to this match or another. You got a bunch more people watching Raw than you got watching the network. Uh, you know, Raw, even for, you know, its slide in the ratings, still averages about three times as many network subscribers. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to quibble too greatly with the idea to uh, change a title on Raw. Even though, again, I think you could have drawn the story out a bit longer and to be quite honest, I'm not sure where they go from here. Um, do you do the rematch at SummerSlam? I mean, it seems like you'd want to. Uh, you keep the title on Banks. You know, where does Charlotte go from here? Uh, maybe you bring up Bailey. Eventually, you know, like like Balor, it seems, you know, you could bring up Bailey at any point. Uh, you could slide her into a feud with Charlotte and Banks goes on to somebody else for the belt. Yeah, who knows? But, um, yeah, I think the Raw's, women, the Raw's women's division is on a great footing. Like with the rest of SmackDown's roster, you got to wonder about uh, wonder about them. But we'll see. And whether they're going to have a title to chase after or are they just going to uh, be dumbed down to the uh, historical level of WWE's care for women and that they're all catty and mean and they hate each other. That's the, about the character complexity we've got in the last 15 years. Yeah, well, uh, you know, and also I think if, if ever there was an appropriate time to use the term X-Pac heat, it was when Eva Marie, Eva Marie. the other night. <laughs> it was amazing. It was great. So, so yeah, you make you make great points. I hope that Charlotte stays in the title conversation. She's too good to to not be to not be there. So, all right, man. It sounds like Raw won the battle this week. Maybe SmackDown makes a splash next week. We'll just have to wait and see, and really just mentally prepare for two straight nights and five hours of WWE content. The Professor Will Nevin. Thanks again. Anytime, my friend. Rammer Slammer is produced and edited by Ben Flanagan for the Alabama Media Group and AL.com. Find us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Rammer Slammer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>